right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, guys, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Going to get to our interview here shortly with Justin Thomas. I believe this is appearance number five, one per year. We try to average one per year with JT. Uh, this was one of my uh, favorite ones that we've done, just to go look back at the last year. A lot has happened with the Ryder Cup, upcoming President's Cup, new FedEx, new schedule, and some stuff around the USGA. We cover a lot of topics, and he's not shy about talking about any of them. Before we get going, I'm sure you guys saw the big exciting news from Callaway today. They announced the signing of young phenom Akshay Batia to their tour staff. It is crazy to talk about a 17-year-old being on a tour staff, but he's coming off a clutch performance at the Walker Cup, the youngest U.S. player in history to compete in the tournament. He's going to make his professional debut this week at the Sanderson Farms with a full bag of Callaway gear. Epic Flash Sub-Zero Woods, Apex MB Irons, and a Chrome Soft X golf ball. He is, of course, a George Gankus disciple. Uh, he, along with Randy, uh, being the Gankus disciples under the Callaway family and uh, and the Gankus family. So uh, congratulations to Akshay on that. And I, this guy is going to be very, very, very fascinating to follow. Also wanted to mention another partner of ours that is sponsoring the podcast. That is Herbal Active. We are getting in the CBD game uh, we've been trying this stuff out for several months before officially moving forward on a partnership with them. We've all been saying the same things about Herbal Active. It's spelled U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V. You can go to their website. NLU20 is the promo code for 20% off. It's been helping us sleep a lot. It is 99.5% pure CBD oil. It's water-soluble. Most of the competition is made up of oil. Uh, our bodies are made of 80% water, and we know oil and water do not mix. They got mints. They got balms. They got drops. Uh, TC over there on the couch has been saying he's been sleeping better than he ever has in, I believe, the last 10 years. Was that your quote? 10 years. He said he's been taking the mints in the afternoon, sleeping better than he ever has. When I actually remember to take it, I think I am sleeping better. I, I can say for a fact I am sleeping better every night that I actually remember. I'm just, I need to set some kind of reminder. There's zero THC in this product. A lot of the companies hover around the legal limit of 0.3%. All the CBD is sourced in the USA. They got products for people and pets. Uh, Tron and Neil's mom is using this stuff now. I'm telling you, this is where it's at. Herbal Active, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V. There's just incredible benefits. It helps relieve pain, stress, and just kind of makes you, just levels you, makes you feel better throughout the day. You can put it in your coffee in the morning if you want. And uh, I'm sure you heard us talk about it on the Trap Draw podcast last week as well. So, uh, again, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com, N-L-U-20 for 20% off uh, when you do check out. Without any further delay, here is our podcast episode with Justin Thomas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. It is time for the annual podcast. It is fall season. This was your idea. I wasn't sure if you wanted to keep doing these every year. That's when you know I'm bored. <laughs> you must not have much going on at all. Uh, Mr. Justin Thomas, another season in the books. What, would, what grade would you give your year? Almost your first year since your rookie year without a win. You waited till the very end. I did. Um, it, was, it was a very weird year, but uh, I'd, I'd give myself a, a B minus, I'd say. What, I, I played really, really well. I mean, I feel like I... Um, I drove the ball probably the best I've driven it. Um, it just and I hit my irons really well. I just had a very very bulky year with my putter. Um, I would have thought after coming off the wrist injury, I would have been really that would have been uh, kind of the the best part of my game because I was putting so much. But I think I was putting too much and I really got myself in some bad bad habits. But um, it was a it was a a good year, but it definitely could have been a lot better. Well, that was you combine like three questions I had in one there, Sorry but with the, with the putting, <laughs> doing my job for me <laughs> with the putting. So you said you form bad habits. What are bad habits that you form? I mean, if you're putting with an injured wrist, are you gripping it differently? Is that kind of what? No, it just I, I was over. I was trying to become perfect, and, and putting is so uh, I feel like instinctive, and you still have to be athletic and kind of and and feel it out. And um, I was trying to get too mechanical. I really was just trying to get too perfect. I was trying to. I was like, I have all this time. I'm going to get my putting stroke perfect. I'm going to come back and putt so well. Um, and, and, I mean, I, I changed 
I didn't change to a lot of different putters, but I went back and forth more than I ever have. Uh, I used a different golf ball this year, which I thought was it was a great change for my ball striking and um, and my distance control and everything was good. But as crazy as it sounds, it was is quite a bit softer uh, of a golf ball, and I feel like that it kind of had an impact on my speed and putting. On your putting, yeah. really? And I never thought of it really until like middle of the year, and I got. Um, I think it was like right after the U.S. Open, I got 40 who, who works for Titleist, does all the golf ball stuff. And I was like, you know, this is going to sound crazy. I'm like, but do you guys ever do golf ball testing with putting? Uh, he's like, well, I mean, yeah, we do some testing. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, like you hit balls on a robot and, you know, like are the speeds the same ball speed? Like I know it's a it's a 10-footer. I'm like, but I was like, my speed has just been all over the place this year. Um, and I remember like in – in preparing for the Ryder Cup in years past, you know, kind of messing around with with either Tiger's ball or someone else's and, like, how soft his ball was, and I felt like how weird it was putting, and I'm like, well, why did I never think of this? So I went back to the ball I played. I went back to the putter I used um, because, like, Killen, my, Matt Killen, my putting coach, was saying I was changing so much that we couldn't even find a constant. You know, he's like, if we're changing something every week, then how do you even know what the problem is? So hmm. kind I of remember, went back to the basics. Yeah, I remember hearing a story of when, <clears throat> when uh, I believe it was Kepka when he was – you know, he was testing new golf equipment after mm-hmm. the Nike deal was over that like, he's testing golf balls. And he's like, yeah, this ball rolls out like two inches further than this one. And I was, I was like, kind of rolled my eyes at it. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, okay. Yeah, I don't. I didn't notice like uh, I'm not that anal or like I know like Strick, um, my caddy Jimmy used to work for him. And I remember talking to him about that. And he always said, you know, playing with Tiger and so many of those, the matches, the cups um, that he struggled putting with his ball with tiger's ball he said he felt like he couldn't get it to the hole so uh Hmm. i never noticed anything like predominant like oh you know this is always three inches shorter but my speed was very very inconsistent but uh you know how how golf is a lot of time it's just in your head well what kind of an effect did the wrist injury have on you and i'm I'm coming from this in the standpoint of this is kind of your first significant injury Mm -hmm. you've had on since you've been on the pga tour but for people that you know, of golf, especially where, of course, you have like your endorsements and whatnot, but your living is made with on course earnings mm-hmm. and like you are relying on your body mm-hmm. being healthy. Was that frightening at all to kind of have an injury? And did you, did you like, do you fear whether it's still there when you come back? What's that, what's that mindset like? I don't fear it coming back at this point. Um, I'm honestly, I'm probably more proud of, and it sounds very corny and kind of dumb, but I'm more proud of the fact that I waited as long as I did to come back because. I talked to a lot of guys. A lot of guys have been injured. I talked to Tiger a lot, and he was checking in a lot, just basically telling me to don't be an idiot and don't go play, don't go practice. Yeah, um, he's got the experience with that. Exactly. So I, I remember the PGA was the main goal. Like I, I want to come back for the PGA because I love Beth Page. I think it's so good for my game, and I kind of had that circled. Um, I feel like all year, and then uh, so I was. I wanted to get back for that, and I remember Tiger went to go play the week before. Um, and I just kind of asked how the course was, and he just immediately called me and said, don't play. Yeah. You cannot play with that rough. That meant um, a terrible, terrible matchup for you. In that yeah, so – and then even after that, it was just like I could have probably played Colonial, um, but it just wasn't worth it. I'm like, well, what am I going to get out of that? You know, I – I kept, as crazy as it is, uh, I hate to boost his ego anymore, but I kept thinking of Brooks, you know, like last year. People forget that he missed the first, what, three or four months of the season and won two Masters. Exactly. So I just was telling myself, hey, make sure this goes away. Uh, Do the proper stuff. Be smart. Be patient with it. And um, so it's never an issue again. And and it was an issue this year again. Because do you go stir crazy, I guess? I mean, because you watch golf when you're not playing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems... The only the only upside I think was you, you kind of will start getting a little more involved in social media and talking about golf when it's on when you're yeah. not playing and whatnot. But do you go stir crazy, kind of waiting for it to heal? Because it's just I mean, time is really the only. Yeah, thing that that, that's like. that was the thing about it. Is it really was something where I couldn't just go go in and you know put a machine on it and and it's better. I mean, obviously there were a lot of things I did to try to he- to speed it up, but in reality, you just kind of had to wait for that bone to heal and. Um, yeah, I was very, very bored. Uh, I, I did actually did a decent bit of traveling. I just was kind of using it as an opportunity to be like, all right, well, you know, I went to Chicago to go see my girlfriend, went to like three or four Cubs games, and, you know, I'd go home. Uh, one of my buddies had a, a bachelor party, which I was luckily able to go on. So it was like I was 
I kind of had like a little mid-season break and it was actually kind of nice come the end of the year when people are, you know, kind of getting a little tired. I'm like, Hey, I'm ready to keep going. I've, I had, I had my break. I don't want another one. Do you like traveling when it's not, I mean, for as much as you guys travel, just, you really, what do you want to, what do you like to do and go see? Or like, when we see the Baker's Bay, we're not going to go there, but what do you like to do like to travel or what, or what's things you haven't done that you want to do? I really would love to. I mean, there's a lot of places I want to go. I want to. I want to take a Europe trip. I, I want to. There's so many beautiful places there, and and obviously we are very fortunate with golf to go to some cool places. But there's definitely a lot of places I would like to go and not bring my golf clubs and just go enjoy. I really, really, um, I really like good food and and cool restaurants. Kind of just you know whether it's a little small kind of little dive bar looking place or if it's a place that you know you got to get dressed to the nines or whatever but like I just enjoy and and going to a city like Chicago I you know or, or New York I always try to stay in a different hotel every time I always try to go to new restaurants just because it's it's, it's cool to the different places you can go and people you can meet and you'll be heading to a new country here in a mm-hmm. few months Australia never played golf never been there before never been. what are you looking forward to the most about that I'm excited. All I've heard uh, from from guys that have been there, they say that I'm gonna love it. Uh, it's the golf is looks really cool, and I'm I'm very into golf architecture. I, I really I just I respect it. Um, you know, especially playing a lot of different courses now. You know, I'm like I like how this is designed. I don't like how this is designed. Whatever, and I do one day hope to to build some golf courses. But I'm excited to just go see something new and um, and play a, a really cool golf course. What intrigues you about golf architecture? Because what I remember is you you getting really upset about the the centerline bunker at TPC Boston when they put that in. That was just well, that was a terrible design. <laughs> it made I mean, it's one thing if it's a a four hundred ten yard hole, but I mean it was a it was so stupid. It just made I mean the fact that you have guys hitting it over to another fairway because that's a better way to play the hole. I think speaks all you need to know. That's about what you the do design. at the old course. That's what the huh? old course is all about. Well, that's for a different reason. <laughs> All right, so you won the BMW Championship this year. It puts you in the driver's seat heading into the Tour Championship. Um, I, I remember when you did win the FedEx Cup, your immediate reaction was you were just frustrated that you didn't mm-hmm. win the tournament. So so backing up to that, was it really less about winning the money and more about like collecting trophies for you? Is that what you say? You 100%. Would, yeah. So this new format, I guess, what did you, what's your reaction to the format having been the one that kind of slept on the lead and went through it? What was your thought? What, what did it feel like going into it? And what do you think of it afterward? I actually, I talked to uh, commissioner the other day and I told him I'm more optimistic about the format than I was beforehand. Um, and that's, I feel like saying something for somebody who'd lost a lead, but it's just, it's so bizarre. I can't explain it, but I just, it was so funny to me how everyone was just like giving me it before it even started. I felt like people were like, oh, you know, he's got the two shot lead. It's like, and all I kept thinking to myself was like, how many times have guys gone wire to wire to win a tournament? And that, and then I have to do it another day. So like, it's, it's, no one's ever done it. And obviously no one's ever started with the lead, but it's just, it was, it was really, it was kind of comical to me how the media how a lot of people were like giving me the fedex cup before it even started and it just it, it, I, I was two shots away. yeah two shots is not insurmountable like leading into sunday much yeah. less like leading into thursday exactly. i think maybe the difference with this being that the the field is small enough as it is and there's mm-hmm. really only maybe 10 or 12 guys that probably mm-hmm. could have could have won that tournament uh, that being the difference, but I, I, I'm imagining, and it sounds like from what you're saying, it's an uncomfortable feeling going into the week. It's, would it's you really, weird. would you really prefer though to have have been all, all square? 100%, Everyone really, hundred percent. Okay. I, I just I would have played. It's it's so, it's so hard to just tell yourself like, okay, we're all even. And I was trying to because I was trying to win the golf tournament. I was trying to get the world ranking points. Like I, obviously, I knew if I beat everybody that week where I was, I was going to win. Mm-hmm. But and I love that golf course, but it, it honestly, the the perfect way to describe it is the first hole of the golf tournament for me. I had a perfect drive. I had a nine iron to a front pin, which is it's not a hard pin, but I mean, with I feel like a nine iron, I could have hit that inside of fifteen feet a lot of times, mm-hmm. and I hit it to the middle of the green and had thirty feet downhill, and I'm trying to two putt and make par, and it's like I never really sunk in until like after people were asking me about it and for some reason that shot I'm like that's the perfect example like the first hole of the golf tournament and I'm playing defensively with a nine iron win Hmm. it's just hard to get yourself to attack um obviously but it was a learning experience for me and 
obviously I'd love to be in that position next year, but I think you're going to see a lot less number one uh, or leading the golf tournament through Thursday win, but you definitely have the potential to have 10, 15 guys that have a chance to win on Sunday. Yeah. See, as, as a fan, I like that it made yeah. you uncomfortable. Like, yeah. I, I, it's different. It's a different twist towards the end mm-hmm. of the year. And I think it, it is more just about the, the aesthetic of how it's presented at the end, right? Because basically your percentage of winning the FedEx Cup was the exact same as was whatever it was yeah, before. Yeah. And it's just all kind of combined into one thing. Whereas in previous years, you had something to distract you, the, the, the immediate mm-hmm. tour championship, and it kind of distracts you away from the, sure. uh, the Fed. And I think that helped you win a FedEx Cup. But so for help us for golf fans, what is what does $15 million mean to you? Because I, as a fan, when I'm sitting here watching it and I'm watching Rory and Brooks duke it out, I have no idea what that means to them. And it's whether it's five or 15, it obviously yeah. that's a huge difference, but it doesn't mean as much to the fans. So what is help me help me out with that? What does $15 million mean to you? Um, it, it, it doesn't mean as much as the trophy to me. It's, it's, there's going to be a lot of people that don't believe me, but it's just, that's I, the only time, honestly, in my career, uh, maybe a couple of times my rookie year, but that I've thought about money on a putt was my, that 18th hole on Sunday in Atlanta. It just kind of hit me. I'm like lining this putt up. I'm like, this is a million dollar putt. Like if I, and this, it's three feet and it breaks this, two cups this year. This you're year. Saying, yeah. And I was like, I was, I was shaking. <laughs> I got my yardage book out and I'm like, holy shit, I'm pretty nervous right now. So, um, so I mean that, yeah, that's cool. Like that's, that's, that's big, big money. I mean, that's it. But obviously for someone like Rory, that's very far from changing his life or Brooks. Um, but it's, um, I don't know, I, I guess everybody has different motives, but for some reason I've never been, never been, um, pushed for the money. I just, I just want to beat everybody else. That's, and that's consistent with, I think it was the first time you came on or your rookie year, you'd finished like third or something in the players and made half a million dollars. And I asked you about it and you're just like, yeah, you know, like to be honest, I was pretty pumped about the finish, but like I plan to make a lot of money. It's not really yeah. something that, so like for perspective, you made 30 million on the course. Plus I don't think that counts like FedEx cup, but like it, it's a significant, it would be a significant yeah. portion of your, of your career earnings. But that's, that's what I think some fans are having trouble with the, with this big end of year thing is I don't, it's hard to tell what, it, what it's kind of much like we're watching yeah. the match, even between Tiger and Phil, I'm like, guys, I know you're playing for 9 million, but I don't, I don't watch the masters because the winner gets $2 million, yeah. Yeah. you know? So, yeah. I mean, if you want some real entertainment, go grab two random guys in Jupiter and tell them they're playing for $9 million. That, that would be entertaining. <laughs> that would be good content. Yeah. We, we want to do something. with. So we had uh, Daniel Negreanu on the pod who's a poker player, and he bets insane amounts of money, but mm-hmm. he'll he'll like back a good player to like play with them. And they'll, they play on you – don't, you don't owe money if you lose, but you get a portion of their winnings. We want to do something with them where – uh, like you kind of do a big, well, if I, if my putt is for $50,000, like I'm going to be freaking out yeah. over that kind of, yeah. insane. I mean, it's, 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 it's all about, you know, kind of what, how you handle being uncomfortable and yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that make people uncomfortable, but that's, uh, but you know, that's whether you probably know it or not, you know, that's why you like to play, you know, yeah. it's, there's something about going on the last hole and even if a $20 putt, but if it's to beat your buddy and he has to hand you that $20, that that's, it's the best. So what did you, I guess, so you said you were more pleasantly surprised <laughs> with the, with the format of the, at the end, what, what pleasantly surprised you about it or why are you optimistic about it going forward? It's just, it's for the fans. Uh, I think it's going to be, I mean, I, I do think there's going to be years, you know, say if I had one of my weeks where I just kind of, everything was clicking. I mean, I could have won that thing by 12, but sure. also, you know, if I kind of do what I did and then, you know, Patrick doesn't play well, and then you kind of get a couple more guys at that, like, four and five. I mean, I've, I really do think you're going to have a year where there's 10 or 12 guys in the back nine that can win, and it's that's that's pretty crazy. And um, that, that definitely is better for the fans and better for the tournament, but uh, it's uh, it'll be interesting. I still think there'll be years, you know, like this year or even more so where it's just two or three guys kind of battling it out. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you can't – you got to try something. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that – it's like I told Jay. I think it's it's definitely moving the right direction. I think it's it's getting even closer to just being perfect, if you will, or, or getting even better. But um, yeah, you never know unless you try. 
That's why I, I, I was talking to him about it this week, and I, I said, you know, he, they said they, they, they talked about it, but if you just called it the FedEx Cup at the end of the year, I think mm-hmm. people would have a, a lot easier time with it. The fact that it's a tour championship, yeah, it's but the it's FedEx not. Cup. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, gets a tour championship trophy, and exactly. you don't even have a tour championship. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not anymore. It's Yeah, but I, I, I like that they're trying something new. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of like a transition year for the tour with the new schedule and how it's all lined up. Mm-hmm. For you personally, selfishly, do you like the way the new set, schedule sets up? Um, well, I mean, I had a nice little six week break in the middle of it. So <laughs> it's, it, you it's, haven't fully experienced exactly. It it's hard to say, but I, I, it's definitely, um, more consistent. You're kind of more in a rhythm. I feel like golfing and playing in tournaments. I mean, I'm not going to have as many two week, uh, two weeks off, which I have in years past, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, I control that. I mean, if I want a couple, two week off sprees and I can do that, but, um, I think for me, it's better when I'm playing and, uh, you know, just kind of kind of play around with it and see what works for us. Do you, does, does the, like the condensed major schedule change anything? And a lot you know, Rory's come out and said, I think Justin Rose has made comments just saying that he feels like the majors are even more elevated now. Do you get that kind of sense at all? Is that like a topic that's discussed out there? What's your kind of position on, does it change any prestige of any tournaments, this new order of them? I mean, the majors are always, they've always been the majors to me. I don't know how they could have been put on any higher of a pedestal to me just because of the time of year. But um, I definitely could see that. And I do, I mean, I think it it is spaced out very well. And um, I don't know, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's good. Uh, You're definitely going to have some, some more opportunities for some PGA championship courses. That's for sure. In terms of uh, of being able to go to different locations, but um, yeah, it's, I don't. I I haven't viewed them any differently in terms of importance, because in along kind of the same vein, it's it's weird kind of the reaction to Rory's season. Even he was kind of sheepish about winning the, the Player of the Year because he played so incredibly well in everything except the majors. And like, how do mm-hmm. you how do you kind of the consistency was just incredible. It's yeah. like, but you know, he would trade all that for a major. How this may be a, a hard question to answer, but how many like regular PGA Tour titles would you trade for a major? That is tough. Um, I know not all PGA Tour titles are equal as well, but in theory, like if you if 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 we're presented for next year and we say, win all right, three you're tournaments or win a major, yeah, uh, I, I'd probably say yeah, like three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, four is I don't know. That's that's a tough question. I guess it depends if I can know how I played in the other events, but uh, yeah, I mean it's that made majors are life changing, and they you're in the history books. You're just you know you're a major champion. It's it's that's a big deal. But um, I would say three is probably my number. Okay, because along those lines, you are so you're you're 26 now. If I'm looking at your career numbers, 137 starts on the on the PGA Tour, 10 wins, 44 top tens, which is 32 percent of the time. 17 major starts. You have the one win at the PGA, three top tens, which is 17% of the time, which is different than your PGA. Do you owe that to anything? And are you, I guess, you've won the one. Does that make you satisfied with your major record to date? No, not at all. Uh, I mean, I I feel like I've very, very underperformed in the majors. Um, I mean, this year I was a couple, just a couple bad uh, finishes away, like coming down the stretch from having a couple top fives or tens in the Masters in the Open. Um, so I've just, I've, I've been close. I had a couple of PGAs where I've been around there, but it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's my prep. That's what we kind of talked about. And I, I've always taken the week off before majors and, you know, it's like, do I need to play now? But then it's like, I'm not going to go to, you know, like San Antonio is not a good prep for Augusta. Right. Um, or, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to go to Canada before the U S open if the, just geographically it can be tough. So it, I don't know it's, it's something that yeah. veterans haven't figured out. Yet, I know is it, what they you know. Sometimes Phil is three weeks off before the U.S. Open. Sometimes yeah. it's you know play your third week in a row. I don't think there's like a set formula because, I mean, you can play great for two weeks mm-hmm. and then just lose it the third week. Yeah, but exactly. But it, that's what I wonder if you know if uh, I think it's definitely um, you. I would imagine you don't want to speak on other players, but to the point where Rory is thinking so much about majors that he almost I don't I'm putting words in his mouth, but almost feel like he didn't even appreciate how great his season was. You know, yeah. And a lot of people don't in that yeah. way. Um, so it, it, it's just got to be hard, I imagine, knowing you can't show up at a major and try to convince yourself it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's the same thing as the FedEx Cup. Like I couldn't, I, 
I could tell myself all I wanted, but in reality, I had a two-shot lead. I can't. I could. Say, I can only say I'm tied and I'm even par so many times. Um, but yeah, it is a big deal. And I mean, I've I've felt so prepared for the Masters the last couple of years, and I've played so well. And then, you know, it's like I just I want it so bad, and um, and then I just have a couple bad putting, you know, putting weeks. Or like I remember a couple of years ago, I I putted chipped and putted great, and I hit it bad. So it's like you put so much emphasis and so much prep on one week and then it's just if one part of your game's off you can't win the tournament it's uh, it's pretty uh pretty i guess disappointing is it for most fans whether you finish t15 or t5 it's kind of inconsequential you didn't win and you didn't really have a chance to win is there a big difference for you in a major finishing t5 versus t15 for sure that's I mean, what i think is people just kind of forget about because mm-hmm. it's just not people don't you know tv doesn't necessarily a lot of people just don't care if you finished eighth or tenth or whatnot but mm-hmm. for you guys individually it means a lot it does to me yeah obviously you're there to win and it's a i mean you don't want to call it a failure of a week but um i guess it definitely could be but it's just um yeah it's more about just getting yourself there you know if you're t or even if you're t15 you had a chance to like at augusta this year i had a chance to win that tournament you know i finished i bogeyed bogeyed my last hole and I think I finished t12 or something like that but I I, and I bogeyed 15 or I bogeyed 14 at 15 like I I was right there I easily could have won that golf tournament and that's another thing I think a lot of people don't realize too is that pretty much anybody in that top 25 it's a very very fine line which you know of of either winning the tournament or being you know down the last couple holes or finishing 20th or 25th and no one even knows you played (laughs) what's it this year in particular is there any kind of distraction knowing what Tiger's doing out there, knowing what that means to the world of golf? A friend of yours and somebody you looked up to as a kid, do you get it, or are you totally locked in on your round, or are you getting the sense that something crazy, crazy, crazy in sports is happening? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm trying to think of how far ahead of him I was, but it's it was bizarre. I think I, I got way more into it um, once we finished, or once I finished, and I was in the clubhouse and watching. Actually, I have a pretty good story. Um, so, Charlie, his little boy, is, he's amazing. He's Apple definitely doesn't far fall from the tree there. I mean, he's identical to Tiger and just such a little smart aleck. And um, so them, Erica and the kids and his mom, Rob, they're all sitting in the corner of the clubhouse as Tiger was kind of on, you know, 15, 16, 17. And I just went over to say hey to them and um, and what's up to Charlie and uh, – and I just kind of saw him. I said, what's up? what's up, dude? And he just looks at me and goes, hey, oh, hey, look, it's the guy who can't putt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. That stuck with you a Appreciate little bit. Appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I got a good kick out of that. But it's it was just being out there. Um, it, it was unbelievable, man. It just was like nothing I, I kept trying to think of things to compare it to in other sports and I just can't I mean how many guys were like in the clubhouse like cheering them on and I, I mean I remember while I was sitting there at a table with Keith Mitchell and I swear you would have thought he was like an eight-year-old boy like he that ball's going rolling down the hill on 16 it's gonna go in he's yelling I mean it's just <laughs> it, there's just nobody else in the sport that can make us do that it was it was unbelievable it's almost like overwhelming how like it happened fast I mean it, mm-hmm. you know especially like with threesomes and there was a lot of guys up there yeah just it was weird how it all kind of came together and part of it, I think everyone was kind of watching and just pinching like okay, it probably won't. Like, it probably, you know, he hits the shot in 2011 to five feet on 15 and then misses the eagle mm-hmm. putt. Like, something's going to not happen. And, and just to see that all happen, what was it? I guess you're you're in, uh, I don't know if you would say his inner circle, but you're, you're close enough to him. Once you get back here, back home, are you guys celebrating? Do you have any celebrations of any kind? What's that like? Well, I had, um, I had to go home just because I had my foundation event the next week, and then I had the stuff going on with the wrist, so I was kind of around everywhere. But, yeah, I mean, it just was kind of like, I just remember kind of reaching out. And I'm like, "Hey, you, you still won that Masters?" He's like, you, "You still won that, didn't you?" And he's, you know, send a picture of the coat or something like that, and it's just his uh, or the jacket, and it's, it's just, uh, you know, it, it was cool. I think it, it was something for him, and even probably just a couple of days, just to kind of, you know, d- to decompress. Right. And I think it's something. I at least I remember from the PGA a little bit. It doesn't really set in, or well, he has. A, a lot more experience with that than I do. But I remember for me, it didn't really set in until kind of a couple of days later and just kind of realized what I'd done. So I don't know how that happens when you do it 15 more times. <laughs> what, uh, what so What's it going to be like, I guess, playing on his team in the President's Cup? I mean, it seems it seemed to me when they announced it, it was it seemed very early for him to be a captain and kind of they're still 
still looks like it's mm-hmm. up for grabs somewhat whether he's going to play. I know he's signing off some blog posts as playing captain, so it would appear he's going to play. <laughs> what do you? How do you view that role? Is it going to change anything with him playing potentially, or are you just going to be kind of focused on what you got going on? Yeah, I'm just going to go out there, and I mean, whether he's playing or, or not, I mean, he's still the captain. I'm going to tr- go try to go out and get some points for him and the team, but um, no, I mean, I just want to be as involved in the process and as helpful to the entire team as I can, and um, yeah, it'll be cool. I mean, if it's kind of something where if you'd have told me as a kid that like I'd be playing on a President's Cup for you know my hero growing up, that'd be I'd have been pretty excited. So yeah. I think sometimes I I kind of have to sit back and, and pinch myself and understand and realize what's going on. But it's uh, I'm just excited. I mean, any time that you can represent the United States is is, is very um, I guess humbling, if you will. It's just it's it's really amazing experience. But uh, it it might have a little asterisk on this one. <laughs> Well, I don't it kind of similar vein that we were talking about with the major championships versus regular PGA Tour events. And I don't want to downplay the President's Cup, but it does seem because I, I feel like you guys get as amped for it. Like the team experiences are you guys just talk about them in such mm-hmm. a different way. Um, is it less pressure to go play in a President's Cup compared to a Ryder Cup just based on the history of the team and kind of what the expectations are? It's it's just different. I mean, it's still it's still a huge deal. I think I think the fans are going to be um, out in pretty full force in Australia. I mean, I would think it, it seems like golf is is very big uh, in that area, and it, it's gonna you know the fanatics will be out there in full force as well. But it's it definitely I can't even come close to comparing you know Liberty and then um, the Golf National. I mean, it just was so you know you look at the first tee alone, Oof. and it just was. Um, I mean, just the, the nerves that I had at the Ryder Cup were something that I've never experienced before. And uh, what was it like? I mean, what, what, in what way? Just like it, as you hold the club, it feels totally. I different mean, I, I tell everyone that. So, like, I hit five wood off the first tee, and um, I when I hit five wood off the tee, I don't or off of the tee box, I don't put it on a tee. I just I put it on the ground so I can just kind of. Yeah cover it a little bit more and i just tell everybody that if i had to put it on a tee i don't think i could have really yeah <laughs> jordan and i were walking over the bridge and i mean we had everything all kind of planned out but we hadn't really discussed you know do, do you want to go first do i want to go first i think it, in best ball it's just so much of um just kind of whatever the mo is you know what i mean and mm-hmm. we're walking he's like you know you want me to go first you, you want to go and i was just like i'll go i'm going just get it and out of the way just was like okay just kind of let me go but it was I just was man, it, especially because in past I've learned that when I'm nervous, my miss is left, and that's not a good miss there. So I mean, I'm just. <laughs> well, it's got to be. I would imagine at least how I am with the first tee that I'm somewhat nervous about. If I can put driver on it, I'm fine. It's oh yeah, a big old club head. Yeah, but that big... tee that was cruel. Everyone's got to hit irons, it's cold. And woods. Oh yeah, man, it's just the rough. You know, if you hit it in it, you really don't have a chance. But it just is. Yeah, I mean, I was Jordan did such a great job with me and just kind of getting me relaxed and kind of eased into it. And um, because you were you were in my mind amped, nervous. Nervous might not be the right word. As you were anxious, like you were you you seemed very prepared for it. Yeah, that you were ready to do it. Mm -hmm. You weren't afraid to take the crowd on. You were animated, and it's very it's all you don't you don't really know who's going to come out and be kind of play that role. I mean, we we saw it with Patrick Reed in 2014. We didn't know he was going to be like that and, and just yeah. embrace the moment like that. And some people get, you know, pucker up a little bit more. So yeah. did your President's Cup experience, because it was kind of, it's still odd to believe that was your only Ryder Cup experience. Did your President Cup, President's Cup experience help in that regard? Yeah, I think so. And I yeah. told, I was talking to Xander about that a little bit. And I was like, um, in Atlanta, I said, dude, I think that it's you have this I was talking to Cantley as well as like I think that you have this so perfectly mapped out to where I, I think it's so big to play in a presence cup first I mean obviously the, they were going to be just fine if they didn't mm-hmm. and then they play Ryder Cup but just to, this the experience I mean it's just like coming down the stretch in a major with a chance to win I mean you can learn from it but you there's a good chance that a lot of those guys in the team room are going to be you know, guys that are going to be in your team room at the at the Ryder Cup, but also the vice captains. You know, the the, the guys that you know, like I got to know David Duvall at the at the Ryder Cup, and I didn't really know him that well before. You know, and then Furyk at the Presidents Cup, and Freddie, I didn't really know that well, and now I feel like I know. So it's just getting to know those guys and being comfortable um, around them, but just you know, knowing the guys in the team room of things that. I think the President's Cup is kind of a good one for I, I probably observed a little bit more, especially in the in the team setting. Just 
in the team meetings or whatever it might be. And, and I understand that I I want to be a, a leader of a team, but I was trying to kind of understand my role mm-hmm. and, and figure out what's appropriate to say, what not appropriate to say, because the Ryder Cup, I definitely felt like I was a little bit more vocal because, you know, I wanted to be and I felt that it was appropriate. It, looking back at the Ryder Cup 2018, it's a weird week for you. I'd imagine like you probably felt like you did all you could. You went four and one. You led the team in points, but the team got smoked. So how do you how do you separate out the two? I mean, obviously you'd rather have the team win, but sure. does it sting to talk about the Ryder Cup, or do you look back on it fondly? It's got to be hard on an individual basis. Yeah, I don't is. think it's selfish to say you look back fondly on well, it. Well, I. I I look back fondly because I did everything that I could. Right. I mean, it's that's the thing that's hard about the Ryder Cup or any team match is that literally the only thing I can control is my match, and I did everything that I possibly could. And I would like to think I was a good teammate in terms of either pumping guys up or getting them, you know, or, or just doing anything I could to try to help out. But no, I mean, it just was something where we just got outplayed, and and you know, some guys just didn't didn't play very well for us. It's just the fact of the matter, and it's not like it's. Um, you know, you can't put it on any, you can't put it on Captain Furyk. You can't do anything about this. It's just, you can look at it any way you want, but the fact of the matter, they played better than us and, and we got smoked. So that's, uh, that's, that's where I net out on a lot of it is I, I don't have the records in front of me, but Phil has been on every Ryder cup team. He was going to get picked. Like that's just how it was going to go. And I think, don't think he won a point. Tiger literally won the week before. Like, so it was not like he wasn't in form. He went zero and three. Bryson was just absolutely on fire leading into the Ryder Cup and didn't win a point. So at a certain point, it's just like you got to play golf, and, and yeah, it didn't it's, happen. It's, yeah. Did you sense, I guess, at what point did you start to sense, if you did, that there was going to be some potential drama around uh, maybe the pairings or kind of all the things that, that fell out afterward? Not until it happened. Really? Yeah. Um, I, no, I didn't uh, – I don't think anybody really felt that – well, one person felt that way, but everybody else I thought was fine, and – um, we all were fine. It just was. I think it's easy when, when something bad like that happens. It's um, you want to look at something or, or kind of uh, cope with it a certain way. And I think that's just kind of what happened. But yeah, it was like we said. It's just we just got we just got our brain, brains beat in. Well, and also leading up to it, from conversations you and I had, it you know the the potential pairings you were throwing out were even different than what they ended up being. So mm-hmm. it didn't sound like it was all totally decided upon before you went there who was going to play with who or that. You know, Spieth and Reed were going to break up, and you and Jordan were only going to play together. It, it, that didn't seem to be the case leading up to it. Is that right in saying? Yeah, it's I, I unless think, you were trying to throw me off last no, year. No, no, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm good with what I tell you. But it's um, it really is. It, it's something to where you we all have our ideas. I mean, Jordan and I, we knew that we were going to play together for. We we had a good idea that we were we were definitely going to play at least one match together. Right, and it was something to where I think if we struggled then I was going to go out with Tiger and P. Reed and Jordan were going to get back because it's like, hey, if we're winning, then you can't, you know, we're going to keep winning. And um, it's something to where I remember even at the President's Cup, like Rick and I were playing, we were winning every match. And then, I mean, we had Berger and I had no discussions of ever playing together and no captain ever said anything. And Rick was going to sit afternoon, I think, on like Saturday. And captain came up he's like hey you good to go out with burger i'm like hell yeah i'll go out with burger so we just went out and we won so it's like it's you always have the the up in the air thing of you know some things are gonna need to get changed around because it's something to where you know like the pairing say with phil like he had his pairings but he's was kind of he was taking one for the team really and saying like look i'm not playing well like don't play me so then when that happens, you have to change something up. It, there's just there's so much more that goes into it than people think, and it's I mean, it's not like Jim's sitting in there like, all right, let's see if we can really change this up and win this. It's like no, he's sending out the best teams that we he feels like we have, and we all feel like we have. And you know, if if you would have asked me to play with someone I didn't want to play with, I would have told him no. But um, I think that's a good thing about a lot of these teams is we're all so good and get along to where we can play with most each other. And that's where it seems you know most of the guys that I I talk to on the team. Are take are pretty good at taking ownership and like it, it it was not 2014. I know you weren't on that team, but it wasn't dictated who you're going to play with. Like you guys are, it's a it's an interaction. Mm-hmm. Like it's a feed it's a feedback thing. Who do you want to play with? And you know it's it's a certain point. It's up to up to Furyk the captain, but at the same time, it's like you guys are also identifying the people you want to play Absolutely. with. Absolutely, yeah. So it's a lot of a lot of communication and a lot. I mean, I mean, I've already been asked to you know, who I potentially want to play with a couple months ago. Like it's, it's, it's a lot more than just, we get there and we all sit down like, all right, so who do you want to play with? You know, it's, it's, 
I mean, I was practicing months and months before with Tiger's ball in case we were to put, to play together. So I would be ready for that. And he was doing the same thing with my ball. He was doing the same thing with Pierre Reed's ball. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a lot more than, than people think. Can you teach us, uh, we'll save the draw chip for later because I want to, <laughs> I want to do, uh, I want to still talk a little bit more Radica, but so what did do you honestly, a lot of people correlated, you know, you were the only one that went over and played the French open and then you went four and one. Did it help to have seen that golf course? Do you think it's, I mean, anytime you see a golf course, it helps, you know, it, it, nothing could possibly hurt, but, um, you know, I hate to, to pick on him, but it's like, it's like over we saying Phil wasn't playing well, but it's not like if you went over, he'd be like, Oh, now I'm good. It's like, no, like, if cause he if, did go over and play it before the open. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot played, of, yeah. a lot of guys, uh, I mean, a fair amount of our guys went and played it beforehand. But the thing is too, is the French was, it was firm. It was really firm to where it was. I mean, I remember on nine, I was hitting five wood, like five iron pretty much every day. And in the, in the Ryder cup, I was hitting, I think I was hitting like three wood and then I was trying to hit three wood into the green. So it's just, the wind was totally different. It was firm. It was makes the rough play a lot differently. I would imagine. Yeah. So the rough was, um, the rough was every bit as long at the French because it was it was I just remember I drove it really really well that week and um, I was glad that I did so I didn't have to play out the rough but obviously it was being a lot more wet and everything like that it just it, that that changes it a lot in terms of being able to get to the greens and such well what did you think of the way that golf course was set up I'll, I'll ask that one first and then kind of transition into a, a, an idea I have about course setup in the Ryder Cup and whatnot but uh, do you think did you like the way that course was set up? Did you think it was a good golf course to play for that event? I mean, I thought it was fine. It's it's not um, – I mean, it's just a golf course. It's not – and it was kind of funny to me because, like, some guys were like, God, like, how I can't believe how narrow they got these fairways and the roughs up. I'm like, I got news for you. It was just like this at the French Open. Like, right. this is no different. And I just remember reading stuff online, and it's like, you know, this is just such a typical home course thing or home field advantage where the Europeans are setting it up. And I just wanted to be like, this is not any different than this course is. It's a hard golf course. It's, I mean, I think seven or eight under won the French Open, and it's like, it's a hard course. So they didn't do anything different in the setup. But the course is definitely... um, I don't know. I mean, I, I liked it. I thought it was a, it's a good test and it, it has the opportunity depending on the conditions and the wind and weather, whatever it is to, you can have some birdies, but it's also, especially in that when it got windy in that alternate shot, you know, you're winning holes with pars and bogeys. So mm-hmm. it, I guess it just depends on what you like watching. Yeah. I just remember looking down that 17th fairway and just being like, that is for a 485 yard hole. With that the is wind off the left. The yeah. most narrow fairway I feel like I've ever seen. It just looked like it was brought in. And so you, you don't think fairways no, were brought in? Okay. I, I really, really do not. But my, my point overall, and I, I want to get this out in advance of whistling straights because of what I, it's because it can get perceived as just buttheartedness about, you know, losing the most recent Ryder Cup. But I think we're going to start trending towards because uh, 16 was set up really friendly bombers paradise and i think the euros looked at that and were like well we are going to change that and you know put up the, all, all the grew the rough up and just made that setup about as hard as possible i think we're going to steer right back the opposite way for whistling straights and i just think that at some point we're going to have to look into if we want to set up for the most exciting event because the last three Ryder cups have not really been close and their yeah, home team has true. won all of them yeah that's very true it's like i don't know if we want to keep trending in that direction because we want drama i mean i want the u.s to win of course but like we want excitement we want it to be close mm-hmm. and exciting. And uh, I just think that there should be some kind of neutral party that kind of sets up these golf courses. Yeah, that's I've, I've, starting I've never, in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, you know, I never really thought of that, but I definitely think that is a it is a good idea because it's not like that's um, I mean, it's not like it it's you're not going to get the bet the better players win. You know, it's just it's it's golf course. You know, we could go play Jupiter par three here and a, one of the teams is going to win. Right. So it's it's. It is. It is true, but you know, it's. I guess when it it is your home field, you know, why why wouldn't you do it? Especially when it's something as big as the Ryder Cup. But it is kind of uh, funny how it is trending that way. I also don't know if I, I probably haven't played enough to understand it, or. But I mean, I know I've talked to Rory about Medina, and he just said it was it was laughable. The rough was it was not no rough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it just was weird to me, and it's not coming from just a U.S. perspective, too, and listeners of this podcast have heard me complain about this, but it's seeing Rory and Rom get totally neutralized by that golf course, too. Was, was watching, seeing Rory stand up with iron on number three and hitting iron off a of par five. I was like, whoa, this yeah. is this is different. But 
Um, one of the best moments of the year, I thought, was your uh, little feud this spring with the USGA. What uh, what in the hell happened there? I honestly, I had to go back and I don't even remember what the source of it was. But it was basically on the new lineup rule, correct? And the rule yeah. changes. Do you feel like the rule changes have kind of that kind of issues have faded away some? Or what was your big issue with the transition period? Yeah, it's definitely faded away. Um, that was so childish. It just was. Uh, I mean, it was something where again, I was just. I was sitting at home, and then you know, I th- I'm pretty sure that was when I was hurt, or I don't know. I mean, no, you were playing. It was waste management. And oh, okay. It was, it was the line, like player, yeah, yeah, the yeah. caddies. I guess I thought it was the whole thing with the USJ was after that, but I do. I, I mean, I was very vocal because I think that is just the dumbest role ever. It just, it doesn't. I understand if you're lining someone up, but every, I mean, the way it was getting could, interpreted was exactly. messed up. I and agree. the fact that it's so funny to me too. It's like, how do they end on a two shot penalty? Like, why not one? Why, why is it two? So. My thing that I and I've I've spoken with the USGA many times um, is I just don't like the, the the transparency and I don't like the how there's not there hasn't been that much communication in the past and you know they've wondered why the relationship has struggled between us and them and it's like well you don't talk to us about anything and then you just make these changes and then we say something that we don't like it and then you get defensive and. It's almost like if you just would come out, if they just would come out and like admit, not they don't need to admit the wrong, but you know what I mean, just yeah. kind of like show. face the truth. Yeah, exactly. And um, it just was, yeah. I mean, when they whoever got a hold of their stuff and <laughs> tweeted out that I've canceled meetings and stuff like that, I Justin, was, we need to talk. I was, I just, I was, I was. That was probably the most angry I've ever been because it's like, look, you're not just. I understand if I did that, but you can't when you are that big of a, a program or that big of an organization, you can't just be putting stuff out there. That's false. I'm like, you guys are slandering my name and make me look bad. And people were thinking that I've even, just been hiding yeah. behind all this stuff. And I'm like, even if you deny it, you still like, exactly. it's an allegation. It's a whole thing about like social media justice and all this. It is. Any and kind of allegation sticks to you. Exactly. And, and as soon as that happened, I was like, it's stupid of me. I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just been a bigger man and just gone to them. But it's like, Unfortunately, that's just kind of the day and age right now where it's like it's almost like if you're having a bad day, you just go to social media about it. But it's uh, yeah, when that whole came out, I just was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I, I, how can you honestly just say something that is so blatantly non-true? <laughs> right. Well, what is it that makes the USGA somewhat of an easy target from players? Because you never hear players, you know, be this critical of the PGA Tour on any kind of, you know, anything that pops up. What is it? that kind of leads to this distrust that I feel really exists between the players and the USGA? Um, I just think it's, I mean, that's the thing is I have like, I have great relationships with a lot of guys in the USGA and like, I don't think that, you know, that Mike Davis is a bad person. I just think that he's made some not very good decisions. Um, So it's that, and I think Jason Gore being on the USGA now is going to be very helpful. I mean, I've had a lot of discussions with him and anytime I ever have a question, you know, I call him and I like, I mean, again, I like many of them, but like, I like Jason and I know him personally to where I feel like I can talk to him. But, um, I don't know. I just, I mean, I think it speaks for itself. The fact of what they've done with some setups of some golf courses, um, and just never kind of admitting when they mess up kind of thing. And, and just some of the things that they kind of say, and I mean, the whole, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, it's, yeah. it's a pile on effect though, too. It I is. think it's kind of what, you know, Rory really went hard on them three years ago. And I think that brought the, brought mm-hmm. people like even Ricky was going in at 2016 at Oakmont, which Ricky never really exactly. takes on yeah. controversy. So it's just, it is kind of a, the way I've, you know, people will say too, it's like a lot of, tour guys i don't want to say don't respect the usga but also just like a lot of the way it's viewed is they're mid handicappers that are kind of telling you how to how to play your game and it's just they don't have necessarily the people that maybe in the past i'm not sure if i can speak for the current setup of the usga but just don't have the golf spirit like the golfers that really understand competitive golf yeah they run the whole thing yeah and i mean i think as crazy as it is i think that everything that happened with the whole just the twitter stuff like is crazy and I'm not just saying this because it was me, but I really do think that was kind of a big step because I think that for them, they like realized like, re- like, is this really what we're doing? We're, we're at this point. And, um, just the amount of times that or the effort that they've made now to either come out and talk to us personally or talk to different guys and, and get opinions, because I think that is important. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, there's a lot of different things that, 
and not only the, P, the USGA, I mean the PGA Tour, the Matt. Like it's, we all want the best of for the tour and for the organization, and um, it's just, yeah, let's, like you said, sometimes they they're an easy target. Or they have been because they kind of set themselves up for it, right? Another fun incident from uh, from this year is you were in Bryson's group. Uh, I believe it was in the playoffs at some point when he took over two minutes and 15 seconds on a what I would consider a rather simple eight-foot putt. Uh, you didn't seem to be as enjoying it quite that much as it was going on. Did you and him talk about that incident at all afterward, or what was what was the reaction like after that? No, so, I mean, when I got done, I got asked about it in the media. Um, so, I mean, obviously, I'm as you know, I'm always, I've been very open to the media. I don't. I just don't really like kind of being a robot or, or lying or anything like that. I just, I want to, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I want to answer the question truthfully. And they asked me what I thought and I told them what I thought. And, and I reached out to Bryson later that night because I didn't, I didn't really like how it happened. I would have much more preferred me talk to Bryson and then do that because I, I just didn't want him to feel like I was talking behind his back. So right, it makes sense. I, I just reached out to him. I was like, Hey man, like I, I'm, I don't know if you saw stuff I said. I'm like, but I just I wanted to reach out because it, I didn't I didn't like how it happened. I wanted to talk to you personally, um, and I was like, I'm more than happy to talk anytime. Like if you want to call me or see the course, yeah. whatever it is. But I just I don't like we're gonna have a long future playing against each other and playing on teams together, and I don't want there to be any, any animosity between us. And so I just I basically just kind of want to apologize. But um, yeah, he can't. He never. He just said thanks, and I'll see you at the course or something like that. And I mean, it, it's not really the time on a Sunday morning to, to, sure. to discuss it. But well, it was for he and Brooks, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he came up to me and said something, and I just was like, "Yeah, I, I mean, another time, kind of thing." But um, but no, he never reached out. So I mean, I, I, you know, I think he's he's doing all right. You think you think you're cool? What uh, what is what is slow play do? How does it affect you? Like, looks a lot of people, you know, say. There's a lot of guys, I guess, talk about slow play in golf and some viewers. And I've, I've kind of been of this opinion for a decent amount of time of like, I don't care that much about it. If, you know, it gives the TV time to get over and show more golf shots and mm -hmm. whatnot. I'm not in a huge hurry for your guys rounds yeah. to finish. But what is it? What does it affect you from, from the professional competition standpoint of an event? I, I do care about it. And if it's if it's fast players that are that are paying the penalty for other people being slow i think that's bullshit but yeah how does it affect you personally i just think it, it's it's so hard to get in a it just it affects your golf i mean you can't get in a rhythm it's like you know you say you're playing well and then you get on a tee and there's two groups or that's like it's or, or you're not playing well and then you're just you slow like it's just it's there's so so much that goes into it, and it's it, that's going to be something that I don't think I'll ever perf get perfected in terms of getting a, a great system. But it is really hard. But it, it's just frustrating, you know. It's like, does it really need to take us, you know, six hour, five and a half hours? But it's just it's it's long, long rounds. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the honestly a big part of it is just the amount of people that are playing in the tournament and the golf course setup it's just it's strictly what it is i mean you look at there's no coincidence that the u.s open is the longest round we play all year because the usga sets it up very difficult and there's a lot of people there so yeah. it's not i think the whole time part just needs to get thrown out the window because it changes every day in terms of the conditions and the setup and and the course and how many guys are there so i think time pars are relevant in general but um it's just it's something to where it just if if you just play a little bit everyone just plays a little bit faster i mean it it's so funny because we we, we talk about it all the time and, and things that we can do to get better but like w how much time are we really trying to improve here like are we all, all right. going to get this much faster for 15 minutes less off the round like it's yeah it's it's great but you know look on the weekend when we play in two sims we play in you know just under four hours and that's it so seems to be, tough. yeah, to me, it's more of a traffic issue than it is an actual. I mean, there there are contributing factors to slow play, but one being fast greens, like you, nothing's really a gimme, you know, and yeah. you're trying to avoid everyone's line. There's going to be more markings. There's going to be more reading. It mm -hmm. just, it, it it's a lot, a lot of things that really contribute to it. Do you have any fixes, anything that you think like, all right, we need to do that. Like we get rid of green books. We need distance find, range finders. What, what, what? What would you propose if you were, you know, in a position to make those decisions? Yeah, rangefinder is definitely not. I mean, because I'm, no one ever just like sees pin, hit pin. You know, you gotta. I mean, it, it helps for the occasional offline drive that I'll hit, and I'm in another fairway that'll that'd be nice. But <laughs> whether intentional or unintentional. Yeah, exactly. So, 
I think that's that wouldn't do anything because you're still gonna be looking at your book and what what your cover is and where you're gonna land at this and that. But um, it it really is just the, I mean, it just it can't take that long to hit a to hit a shot. Uh, you're especially putts and stuff like that. I mean, I think that's what's hard is because if you do if you're very very strict on the timing and then you get a 25 mile an hour day like. I'm probably going to back off five or six shots because w- what am I going to hit the wrong club and hit it over the green and make right. a bogey instead of a birdie? So it's like it's that's where I think that they've had a hard the tours had a hard time just pulling the trigger on something because it's just something like that isn't fair. Well, and it's also it it, it is very cyclical issue because there's often nowhere to go. So why hurry up to go wait on the next tee box? Which mm-hmm. is why the penalties are the way they are, and that. You only get penalties if your group is out of position and you take over and you're on the clock. And because like I, the the two events I played in this year, I had to slow myself down so much yeah. because I don't want to go sit and wait. There's two groups waiting on the next mm-hmm. tee box of par three. Why would I hurry and do it? And that just kind of slowly eats its way back the golf yeah, course. I think I think the, the the number one thing that I would do just to start is just there's your warning is when you tee off on the first hole, like you. We don't, we're not eight. We don't need to get told when we're behind, hey, you're behind. It's like, no shit. Our, yeah. I can't even see the group in front of us. Like, it's pretty obvious we're behind. So, but slower players don't, ha- I feel like, don't care if they're behind. They don't mind that. It's the fact that they might get penalized that would make them speed mm-hmm. up, but they don't necessarily feel an obligation to keep up with the group yeah. in front of them. And that's where I, my, and I'm curious, it's kind of a half baked idea, but kind of not. There's data out there on how long each player takes on each hole and, and who's mm-hmm. the fast players, who's the slow. My proposal was pair all the slow players together, play, pair all the fast players together so that the slow players can't take advantage of the fact that somebody else is helping them make up the time. They're going to get put on the clock and they're going to have their shots timed and mm-hmm. they, they just, they, you know, they can't, be, you know, benefit from you taking less time and the, them taking more time. Yeah. It's, it's a half baked idea. Yeah, but like there's something we've kind of talked about something like that it's just it's hard because then you get into the categories and and stuff like that but you know you, you bring up the idea of like hey let's if you're in the best category and you get bad times like you're bumped out of category like right. you something like that or you can play your way up a category which is tough because every rookie has to go through that like it's it's um, you can play your way out of those tee times. Like I had to play my first 10 events in those tee times and I played well enough to get into the next category. Like that's just a part of that process. But I mean, I even proposed like, I mean, it's, it's kind of childish and laughable, but like shame them, like get the 10 slowest people, put them up in the locker room, like let them know, like you can't argue. Like it's funny to me as slow players never think they're slow. It's, like it's, it's insane. And whatever like you're a good dude and everything but Bryson like how can you say that you're not slow like you're very very slow it's just it's it is so it's I think something to where like you're like hey you you're up there you can't tell me you're not slow like you're face the truth it's time yeah Yeah. and and then and I think that'll kind of give him some accountability like I don't really want to be on this list anymore sort of Mm -hmm. thing so I brought that up and kind of got laughed at but I thought it'd be wouldn't be a terrible idea. Got laughed at by the slow players yeah none of the fast players but I think that would be a cool system too to reward the fast players I mean who are who are some of your favorite people to play with in a competitive event because of the pace that they play at? Uh, Bill Haas is definitely one Uh, Kiz is always good I mean, Brooks is fast Uh, DJ's DJ's quick but he he takes his time on the greens Mm -hmm. but um Nah, I mean, like someone like his and, and Bill Haas is definitely he's my favorite to play yeah. with. He's awesome. <laughs> would you uh, would you have any interest in a in a made for TV event like the match where you can't? Did you pay attention when Tiger and Phil played? And would you want to mm-hmm. be interested in doing something like that in the future? I would definitely want to do that. Okay, yeah, it's I uh, I did watch it, but I yeah I think that it would I would love that. That's just kind of up my alley, like just being able to talk trash and have some fun and. That's what it felt like it needed. A little was more people involved and kind of because those guys are not good at trash talking each other as much as they think they are. They're really not, and yeah. they kind of needed a little mix of guys that are willing to razz each other. And I kind think of, I think two more players would have been big. I mean, when it's one on one and like you know, if you one person hits it left and one hits it right, like they're not going to see each other till the green. So it's like you just to be able to have those two extra people to to where even if they're talking amongst their team or to the other people or fans, whatever. But just. To have that those additional people uh, would be, I think, would be big. 
Uh, I can't remember if we ever talked about this one here. In the last couple here, we're going to let you go. But um, I, I, we might have talked about this in, in recent years. But I'm, I'm curious. I'm sure you get asked this a lot. Uh, what what you've kind of seen ha- happen and unfold with Smiley Kaufman, a friend of yours, and how often you guys talk. And uh, from everything I hear, he you know he'll go out and practice around stripe it. He'll go on the range, stripe it, and it just has not worked for him on the golf course for several years. Do you, is there anything you can relate to in any, in any of that? I mean, do you guys talk about it? Do you, mm-hmm. what do you see going on there? I mean, yeah. help us understand it. Yeah. I talked to, I talked to Smiley a good bit. It's, it's something where we're, we probably don't, we're not like texting every week, but like we'll FaceTime or we'll talk on the phone for, you know, once every two or three weeks for, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes, like just kind of catch up on everything. And I mean, if he's playing in a tournament, like in the playoffs, I text and I'm telling him play well, stuff like that. But I just... I think the thing that's so hard for or what has been so hard for him is kind of similar to like what I was doing with my putting is like I think he was changing so much to where he never had a constant variable you know like he he tried this maybe swing coach and then like all right well I'm just going to see this guy while I'm home and then we'll maybe do this but I mean he I have played with him and yeah his swing does look good and it's it's just about the the reps and and getting the competitive thing back and um, I mean, I, we all know he's good. And I mean, you don't win on tour just right. by accident. I mean, he's, he's good enough to play out here for a really long time and win again, but it's just about, I think he's kind of had the two way miss going and, and really struggled with his club face control. So I think once he gets that consistency back and, and just kind of can eliminate one side of the golf course to where he can play it again. Cause, um, it was actually funny. We were talking last week. And he said how he had such a good putting year. He's like, man, if I didn't putt, he's like, I would have put up some numbers. So it's uh, it, it's just it's such a funny game. It's so hard, and it, it doesn't make sense how someone can play so well for you know a year or a couple of years, and then all of a sudden it's like, what am I going to do, and why why can't I do this? So it's a it's it's a tough game, and it sucks sometimes. But I think he'll you know in the long run when he gets out of this, he'll be way better before because I think it kind of puts things in perspective and uh, he, he probably respects the game a lot more now. He uh, he chimed in on Twitter when we were all getting all fired up when Max Homa won earlier this year because Max has been pretty honest yeah. about the struggles he's had and he just said, like, damn, this is like relatable as hell to like not you know, knowing where every OB stake is on the golf course to like winning golf tournaments. Yeah. And it's, it's, it can happen. It's not mm-hmm. over. I mean, it's, uh, I know a lot of people have said, have declared it's over, but if that talent is in there, then I think it, it can be activated, but it's just, I do admire the perseverance and like he keeps teeing it up and it's mm-hmm. at a certain point, it's gotta be embarrassing, I would think. And you, you have to feel some of that. And it, uh, we, we hope that Keep keep rooting for him. He's almost become a bit of a punchline, and that's the part that's really unfortunate. Is I, yeah. I hate seeing that. It's like no, dude. Like this, I don't I don't know Smiley very well yeah. at all, but I'm like, dude, this is a human here that's like struggling with his yeah. career. Like it's not really funny to yeah, it's to not, laugh at, at bad play. It's yeah, it is tough, and I think it's it's a lot more relatable. Cause like you said, he's one of my good buddies, but it, it is um, you know I think people just always have to have something to 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 pick on or something to kind of do, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that it, that it has to be him, or it's that it has been him. But you know, the joke will joke will all be on them. And I, I know that a part of that um, is kind of pushing him, and and it's probably in the back of his mind. Like I can't wait to to win again, so I can kind of silence all those right. people. What do you think of you know? Okay, so you came out. You were one of these guys. You were a guy that hits a long ways, coming fresh out of college, takes the the tour a bit like a bit by storm. You're 26 now. I don't know if you consider yourself a veteran yet, but now you're seeing younger guys, guys younger than you, come in, play really well, really quickly. Does it shift the competitive landscape at all for you? I mean, does it help you? Because you know, you you had a target of you know, when you get out there looking looking up and seeing yeah. all the older guys that have been there. Now you kind of you got to look both ways. Yeah. Does that have any kind of effect on you? Uh, it doesn't. I think that it's it, it's great for golf for sure, and they're they're. Uh, so impressive what they're doing um i mean it's just it's it's crazy it's like the for obviously everything matt wolf did and and um and victor hovland did was was unbelievable and they're obviously great players but i mean what colin warkawa did and how well he played and how consistent and just and just i feel like he he's he's handled his emotions so well and he's we're represented by the same agency so i've gotten to know him a little bit and he's just he's a good dude. I mean, he's he's very um he's driven, he works hard, but he's just he's he's right here the whole time, you know. He's not you know, he's not like me when I was that age. I'm not bouncing, my emotions aren't everywhere, but mm-hmm. that's just how he is and uh 
you know, I think he's someone that's going to be, I mean, I think they're all going to be out for a long time and win a lot of tournaments, but I think he's, he's so impressive in it. It, it is kind of odd having to, you know, look both ways. I'm, I'm definitely, I welcome the challenge and, um, I know that they have plenty of things to learn still, but, um, you know, I, I, I would love to, you know, be coming down the stretch with them and teach them a thing or two. That's for <laughs> sure. Last one. You had a uh, recent posting on social, social media about uh, a melanoma scare you had mm-hmm. on your leg. Tell us about that, how you discovered that and kind of where it comes from and what the messaging is there. Yeah, it, it was, it was definitely scary. I, um, I hadn't gotten gone to the dermatologist in probably a year and a half or two. And, um, I just was, I, I wanted to go check it out. And I had this, I mean, it was a, it's a really, it was a really, really small mole. It just was on the back of my left calf and I just wanted to go get it checked out. So, um, I, my doctor here, I reached out to him asking for a dermatologist and one of his buddies is. So I just went and checked it out and, um, he just asked, is there anything in particular I want to look at? I was like, just look at this if you don't mind. And he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll just, we're going to take that and we'll check it out. So they, shave it off and they take it into the lab do whatever and i got a text from my doctor like three days later at about 6 p.m saying call me and i'm that's not a good thing right so um i called him and uh and he was like so there was some melanoma in that mole and i was he's like yeah you were so lucky you caught it when you did um what kind of hit home for me is he was like yeah you were you were probably about two years away from potentially being like a patient in the hospital if you didn't get this. And I was just like, holy shit. I mean, it just was, it was crazy. So I went in and, um, I scheduled an appointment to get to, I mean, they call it a surgery. It's not really a surgery, but to get it removed and they numbed me up and cut a pretty nice chunk out of my leg and 15 minutes I was gone. But, uh, I did get a call a couple of days ago that all the melanoma is out. So it's, uh, it is good. It just is scary, especially for, you know, as much time as we spend in the sun. And it's not just golfers. I mean, it's anybody. Right. But, you know, I remember as a kid not wanting to get looked at and um, just because it's like the dentist, you know, it's something you just don't right. want to do. And I uh, definitely am glad that I did it. And it's uh, it's pretty scary. But I, I, I talked with my agents a while, but like, you know, I, I, I just kind of said, I was like, do you think that this is something like I should share? Like, I feel like this is a like it's a pretty good, ma- but I like I don't want to. I'm not doing it because I don't want people to feel sorry for me no, or like no, get no. attention. But I was like, there's a reason why people always say these things. Like, yeah, wear your sunscreen. Yeah, and get yeah. Checked out. So, you guys are great. I learned a ton about from you guys about like sun protection. Like, don't mess with this stuff. Yeah. it's not. It's not meant to be messed with. And like the, the the stuff you guys use on the golf course, like with all the zinc and stuff in, it, is what you need to really yeah. protect yourself from the sun. But it was it was just cool because I had so many people reach out. Like you know, like that's so cool. You did this. Like I. I had a, a dad who had this or like I've had three spots removed and like, the, I mean, the messages I was getting on Instagram, like it was scary. Yeah. I mean, people were like sending me stuff that happened to them and it was just like, you know, it changed my life. I didn't get it in time. And I'm just like, geez, that's yeah. <laughs> so I was glad I did it because I definitely do think that it spread. And I had friends reach out to me saying I just scheduled an appointment and I'm so yeah. it, it, it was it was a scare for sure, but I'm glad that it's all gone and I'm, I'm ready to start doing something again. Cause I'm getting pretty bored. There's not a whole lot on TV. <laughs> That's why week. you called me down here to come <laughs> down here. Uh, no, thank you again. And we'll wrap it at that for, I think that pretty much covers the last year, last year of golf and mm-hmm. life. But, uh, uh, this was a lot of fun. This was this was like my favorite one we've ever done. A lot of really good stuff. Oh, so thanks, really man. appreciate it, man. Till so, next year. Till next year. Well, I guess we got rid of the rule. The rule yeah. was originally you had to win the Masters, come yeah. back. But we're we're uh, we're suckers for content. We'll let you <laughs> we'll let you back anytime you want. Perfect. So, all right. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!